Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, second case challenging President Biden's student loan forgiveness program will go to the highest court in the land. Uh, today, the Supreme Court agreed to hear arguments on a case filed in Texas alongside the first case that they had agreed to take up uh, earlier last week. So why are they taking up a second case? What do the cases have in common? How do they differ? What are the questions that need to be answered? Uh, we go to the ultimate inside source on these things. Greg Scordas, of course, is KSL's legal analyst. And uh, a big thanks to Greg for pinch hitting uh, way over his quota uh, as I was out. Uh, Greg, thanks for joining us and thanks for all your help. No, no problem. Good to be with you again, Boyd. All right. So let's take a give us a sense of this second case that was uh, that the Supreme Court decided that they would hear uh, today. What is this second case? And then help us understand what's the difference between the two and why will they each be heard separately? So the second case is brought in Texas, and that's in the, the Fifth Circuit. The first case that you talked about was brought by the state of Missouri, which is the Eighth Circuit. Uh, the difference in the two cases, I think, is somewhat important, Boyd, because the Missouri case was filed by the state of Missouri and and I think that Nebraska. And so the Biden administration is saying you don't have standing. You don't even have the the, the ability to get a case filed. You, you're not hurt. You're not aggrieved by it, so to speak. But the Texas case, although it's very similar, it's to it's to throw out the student loan forgiveness program. But it's brought by two borrowers, two, two students uh, that would have taken out student loans and are now uneligible for this loan forgiveness program. And so I think that they may be in a little better position uh, for what we call standing. Both cases, Boyd, rely on uh, at least the plaintiffs are saying that the Biden uh, exceeded its executive authority. That is that this was something that the legislature should have dealt with, something Congress should have done if they were going to enact legislation to forgive student loans, and that the, the, the executive branch, the president, didn't have authority to do that. Okay, and I want to get into a, a couple of those things that you raised there, Greg, that I think are, are really important. So first in that Missouri case, it is interesting that the state filed uh, that case. And, and as you said, this idea of standing of who has been hurt or who has wrong been wronged uh, that actually has that standing uh, is, is kind of the, the issue there. So why would the why would the court agree to hear one where there is kind of a question in terms of that standing? 
Well, I think what the court's doing, and they're fast-tracking both cases, is saying, look, the, the, the underlying issue is the same, whether or not the president had the authority, the executive authority, to initiate this program, whether he even had the authority to do that. So I think the Supreme Court's saying, look, standing aside and other issues aside, let's just get to the meat of the case and see if Biden even had the power to do that. And so it's not uncommon to answer one of your very first questions for the court to say, look, you've got different states are having these same issues. Let's hear them all at the same time. When we dealt with the uh, all the states dealing with the same-sex marriage issue, the Supreme Court said, look, every state's dealing with this. Let's take two or three of them and run it up the flagpole at the Supreme Court and hear them so that we're not hearing 50 different cases, so to speak. And I think that's what they're doing here. It's also interesting to note, Boyd, that they really fast-tracked this case. They didn't. Yeah. Even, they bypassed the Court of Appeals. They bypassed the Fifth Circuit. They bypassed the Eighth Circuit. And they're going straight to the Supreme Court, and they're expediting the arguments that are probably going to be heard as early as February, which is really a, a rocket docket, <laughs> so to speak. It's, it's not something we usually see. I was going to say, I can't remember uh, a recent rocket docket, so to speak. Of, of we've, We talk about fast no. track every once in a while. This is like hyperspeed uh, fast track oh, yeah. uh, to bring these on. And, and so it will be interesting to see, do we anticipate that the, the arguments will go along those lines that, that the president was using this emergency authority that actually goes all the way back to 9-11, as I understand it, uh, to, to be able to do this kind of thing? Uh, and will that really be the heart of the arguments of both sides? A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. That's exactly right. And it does go back to 9-11. But Biden was using it based on the emergency powers that that at the time dealt with COVID and all the things that were happening then and, uh, pe- you know, people being shut down and that type of thing. But the, the, the plaintiffs in these cases, the, the state of Missouri and the bar- borrowers in Texas are saying, look, the COVID was largely over with and the administration was even touting that the COVID problem was over with. So you can't use that as your emergency authority to do something that could really and and should really have been done by Congress. And the Supreme Court's just going to have to weigh that and decide whether or not this whole program should stand or or fail and whether or not it should go back to Congress and see if they want to enact the, the legislation that would effectively do the same thing. Yeah, and I think that's such a, a, a crucial point. And Greg, you and I have talked about this before, that when, when Congress fails to act or when they choose to abdicate their authority to the executive branch, uh, the executive branch, both political parties, are all too happy to take that. Uh, but then when they do <laughs> when they do use that executive authority and push the boundaries specifically, then somebody files a lawsuit. And then it starts working its way up, uh, sometimes fast-tracked like this. Uh, but it gets to the Supreme Court. And, and to me, that's part of the underlying problem of why the Supreme Court nominations are so contentious 
but it really it goes all the way back to Congress abdicating their authority and not doing their job. Exactly right. And, and in some cases, uh, the administration can even show that they've asked Congress to act, mm. that, they, that they've, they've submitted proposed regis- legislation. And when they can do that, they're in a little better position uh, to, to act when they can show that, in fact, Congress didn't act when it should have. Um, that wasn't done so much in this case as it was, uh, for example, when Trump was trying to get uh, the, the border wall done. Right. He claims he went to Congress first and they, they failed to act. So he had a little better position to enact the multi-billion dollar uh, border wall situation, which still ended up in litigation. But this one's a little different because Biden didn't run it by Congress in the way that he probably mm. should have. Yeah, fascinating. Always interesting that, uh, you know, should a president be able to spend half a trillion dollars <laughs> without somebody weighing in? That seems to me there's got to be right. something there. Well, this will be fascinating. Anything else you're going to watch in this? Because, again, it could be as early as February that we start hearing these uh, arguments. Well, I think that the Supreme Court, especially the new court, is really clamping down on executive authority and clamping down on administrative authority. We saw that in in an EPA case not too long ago Mm, where they're saying, look, we don't really like all these things that should really be done by Congress and are now being done by administrative or executive offices. And so I think this, this case is going to have some really broad reaching uh, effect on the authority that the that the administration has going forward in enacting its own policies when they have the opportunity, of course, to do that with Congress first. Uh, fantastic. Greg Scordis, uh, one of the great thinkers, our inside source and KSL's legal analyst. Uh, Greg, thanks for your insight today. Always great to have you on the show. You bet, Boyd. All right. Uh, so many important things there from Greg in terms of how this will play out. Uh, and the point I want to finish on as it relates to this student loan forgiveness program, is we've talked about it. The thing that they're purportedly trying to do to help these students, and again, we can argue the merits of that as a good thing or a bad thing, but what they've done by doing this by executive, authority, by executive order is actually created more uncertainty for the very people they say they're trying to help. Because now you have all of those who thought they were going to get 10000 up to $20,000 in student loan forgiveness. Uh, many who probably made plans accordingly, uh, whether it was in their career, whether it was to go back to school, whether it was making family decisions, life decisions, employment decisions. Uh, and now they are in limbo as this works its way through the courts. And that's why the process matters. And President Biden didn't follow the process on this. We can argue the merits separately. That's a separate issue. This is a process issue. Uh, If he had gone to Congress, if Congress had done the job, it wouldn't be in the courts that way. But executive order, especially when we exceed that executive authority, always ends up in the court. It always ends up at the Supreme Court, and it creates great uncertainty, whether it's the DACA program, uh, whether it's the immigration program, whether it's the student loan program. We can go on and on and on. It never ends well, and it always creates more uncertainty for the people you're supposed to be trying to help. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, Utah's farmers are doing a whole host of things to try to help solve some of the state's biggest water problems. Ron Gibson from the Utah Farm Bureau is going to join us next to talk about it and all the things that Utah farmers and ranchers are doing to make a difference here in the state of Utah and around the world. Stick around. We'll be right back. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. 
But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.